Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, love people, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church. The truth is we just can't get enough. We all want new things, new experiences. We want them bigger and better than the last time. In this series called Hungry Eyes, it turns out that all these wants boil down to three things that the Bible talks about were a problem from the very beginning. So welcome to the human race. We're never satisfied. Let's jump right in. Right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? I can't lie to you. I'm going to miss that song next week when we're not doing that anymore. So, hey, before we get into the message, first of all, just welcome. Glad to have you here, especially if you're a guest. We're so glad you're worshiping with us today. Our greatest hope for you is that you're experiencing the presence of God because that is what it is all about. So before we go any further, though, I have a friend of mine here, someone that I'd like to introduce to you because uh, they could actually be a part of your life. Um, And so if you would, way back in the back, back there, Dr. Steve Crowther, his wife, Terry, would you stand up? Everybody help me welcome, Grace Life, welcome for Steve and Terry. Now, now I'll tell you why you clap for him. So uh, Steve Crowther moved to North Carolina, I think we said, what, 14 years, 16 years ago, uh, to, to take over, actually, to build Grace College of Divinity, to take over whatever that thing was before you got there. Yeah, that sort of thing. Uh, phenomenal job of doing that. So what is Grace College of Divinity? It's actually the college for our family of churches, but it does way more than that and has a reach far beyond that. Uh, one of the, the greatest things that I just, just found out is this the number one online college in North Carolina. Now, that's not just the number one online Christian education. I think it's that in the United States. But it's the number one online college in North Carolina. And there are some pretty good schools in North Carolina that some of us are impressed with, like Duke. All right, Chapel Hill, too, for those of you. You know what I'm saying? But I mean... They, it beat both of those and, and everything else. And listen, here's the reason I'm telling you about this. By the way, in case I forget, because last service I forgot this detail. Uh, uh, Steve is here just because I, I love him. He's a good friend, and he's here to visit and hang out. But while he's here, I said, hey, why don't you stand in the lobby with some of your information between the services? And, and here's the deal. A lot of times, people in the church have no way to learn and to grow and to discover things about their calling outside of the church itself. And sometimes the church isn't teaching the class that you need most. And and so a lot of times if you said, hey, I'd I'd like to learn more about this, or I'd like to discover more about my calling, many times the answer, if you say that to your pastor, is, well, then go to seminary. Pack up, quit your job, move away, and go and study in seminary. But Grace College of Divinity was built with one very core principle, and that is that the people of God should be able to remain in their local church keep their jobs, stay with their families, stay in the ministry that they have while learning what God has for them. And so that's one reason their online program is so strong. Yes, they do have a physical campus. Yes, you can go there. Uh, But the reason, think about this. If you said, you know, I want to learn more about the New Testament, then you can. If you said, I'd like to know more about how to counsel, I lead a life group and people are always asking questions. Maybe there's a, a class on how to counsel, do pastoral counseling. They've got that. You, you can do all of this. And you might even say, maybe I'm called to be a pastor. And, and the truth is we've got more students in the church going to GCD than we do staff. So I know some of you are thinking, he's not talking to me. Yeah, I am. I'm talking to any of you that want to know more about how you can do what God's got for you. So I encourage you to stop by, see Steve. He's a good friend of mine. We've done a lot of fun travels and things together, but I've paid him a lot of money not to tell you those stories. So good luck trying to get him out of him. There you go. Hey, uh, before we go any further, unfortunately, um, 
our nation is a messed up place. And I want to take a moment, uh, you know, and, and just, just say we, we, we live in a messed up place. Uh, surprisingly, some of us haven't looked at the news. I, I just asked someone, I was trying to get some, some updated details, and they, they didn't know. For those of you not aware, there was a, another mass shooting in, in El Paso, Texas yesterday. And the last that I checked was over 20 dead and, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 wounded, and some of those very, very critically um, and uh, so then as I, I pulled up my app this morning after I get up, I do all my sermon prep and I, I try to keep away from the digital world. But uh, after, after I did all that and was getting ready to come, I, I pulled up my, my news app to check and, and, and see what the status was. And there was another shooting in the middle of the night. And if you didn't check your news, you're not aware of that. It's in, in Ohio. And uh, last check, there was nine dead and almost 20 uh, very, very wounded and uh, so, you know, one of the things that the enemy loves to get out of this is the idea uh, that, that God is not doing his job. And so people become very angry when things like this happen. And, you know, what frustrates me the most about events like this is the, the number of people that are going to be angry at God, blame God, and walk away from God. And the truth is, God is the only answer for our nation. That's the only answer. And so what I'd like to do, if it's okay, can we just agree together for a moment in prayer uh, that God will show himself strong and, and that instead of what the enemy meant for harm, that God will use for good. And that really is my prayer. I guess I should just wait and pray that. But can we all do that together? Uh, God, w we just come to you and admit we live in a very broken world. And I know you know how broken it is. And, and it's been broken way long before we got here. But we pray for your hand to be upon it. God, I'm just going to call back this song that, that I learned in, in school, in Sunday school when I was a kid. He's got the whole world in his hands. And God, we believe that. We know that the world is broken. We know Scripture tells us the enemy's got certain things that he's doing. And, and we, we know that there's, there's just some things we can't explain sometimes. But we pray that you'll show yourself strong. We pray that, that what the enemy meant for harm, you will use for good. We pray where the enemy meant for people to walk away, they will grow closer. And we pray that the church, the big C church on planet earth, especially in these two cities, will, will come around these people and will be a testimony for you in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, um, not to uh, be too abrupt and changing gears, but here we go. Back to where we were. Hungry eyes. If you're new to Grace Life, you're thinking, wow, isn't that like an 80s rock song? Honey, did we come to a cult today or... Like one of those churches that isn't spiritual or serious at all and that kind of stuff. And actually, it's a funny little, little, little thing to get me time to get out on stage. But it's deeply spiritual because it comes out of the Bible. It's out of Proverbs 27, 20. It says, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. We're just made to always want more. We always want more. No matter what we have, we always want more, right? That's why we, we eat. My wife and I went out for dinner last night and she fussed at me. In the parking lot for letting her eat too much of her favorite <laughs> dessert. It's like, you know, you just, you just want more. You just want. And, and when we look at the world around us, we would think, wow, there are just so many things. How are we ever going to deal with all of these temptations? But as we've been learning throughout this series, there are not zillions of things we want. There are not even thousands of things we want. There are not even a hundred things we want. There are three things we want. And the Bible shows us this. This is not normal for us to have a theme verse for every series, much less two. This, this series has two theme verses. The second one is 1 John 2, 16. It says, for all that is in the world, for all that is in the world, the, the desires of the flesh, 
The desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And so we've been looking at the fact that everything we want fits into one of those three categories. The, the pride of life is, is all about we can't get enough props. We, we want acclaim and fame and people to be impressed with us. And, and, and so, you know, we just, we just want to be propped up and, and told we're awesome. And that was where we started the series. We did it in reverse order of the verse, and that was part one. And then in part two, we talked about how we can't get enough stuff. That's the desires of the eyes. Man, I see it. I want it. I've got enough, but I still want more. Uh, last week, a good friend of mine uh, was here, and uh, he preached a message that ties all three of them together about comparison. And today, I'm going to finish it up with the very first one, the desires of the flesh. And now, that's exciting, isn't it? Didn't you just wake up today and say, man, I can't wait to go to church and be preached at about the desires of the flesh. That just sounds churchy, doesn't it? You're going to go to work tomorrow. What'd y'all do in church? Well, the pastor told me about the desires of the flesh and how I should avoid them. Would you like to come with me next week? So, hey, when we talk about the desires of the flesh, what we really mean by that is pleasure. Flat out physical pleasure, which, of course, transfers over to sensual pleasure sometimes. We just like pleasure. We like comfort. We like soft things. That's why lazy boy recliners exist. I mean, it, it, back in the old days, my grandfather, I would always, old days, like I'm not that old, y'all, just so you know. Anyway. So my grandfather, I would go to see him, and his only chair in the house, the only one that he sat in, was a very square, upright, had a, a vinyl covering and two very hard, straight, not curved, not contoured, wooden arms for your, for your arms, you know, that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, why did he sit in that every day, all day? Like, that, that couldn't be comfortable. But it, it was his level of comfort because he worked on, on a farm like 16 hours a day. And just being in a seated position was nice. And, and now today we've made it more comfortable. Seated, no, that's not good enough. I need thicker padding there, thank you. Hey, could you think this thing could figure out how to put my feet up for me? So my mom now, she has these buttons. You sit down. <laughs> oh, like, oh, this is awesome. My kids want to get them. It's just, we've just created such an incredible incredible world of pleasure. And boy, let me tell you what, if you've had pleasure, you don't want it ever again, do you? Ha! Huh? You just want more. Like if you get something like, man, I need more of this. So I made a really good mistake, if you can call it that, about a year ago. I was going to fly somewhere and as I was looking at rates, you know, sometimes you heard those stories where people are able to book a, a plane ticket for a crazy rate. It might have been an error or something. I don't know if this was an error, but, but what I know is that my normal plane ticket plus my baggage fee, and I was traveling and going to have to have some baggage. Normally, I try not to do that, but this one was going to have to have a baggage. It, it was going to cost more than the first class seat. So guess what I did? I rode first class. And oh my gosh, if you've never ridden first class, you are missing out, but it'd be better if you don't find out what you're missing out on. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, I never even rode on an airplane until my first missions trip when I was in college, and I thought, man, this is amazing. I can afford a plane ticket. I can get on a plane. I can get in this metal box, and, and, and somebody's going to serve me like a soda and a meal. This is, of course, back when they did that sort of thing, and I'm going to, in a few hours, be on the other side of the planet like I'm the deal. And now I get on, like, I got to get in the back of the plane, all the way back there, and they're going to serve me, like, half a soda. You don't want to give me the whole can anymore. What's wrong with this plane? And I got to sit in first class, and they serve you glass. Like, it's not styrofoam. It's not paper. It's a glass. And they treat you like you have 
class. I mean, I just made that up. Y'all should have laughed. The first service didn't get that. But anyway, they treat you like, you know, in the back of the plane, like soda, peanuts, soda. I mean, I feel like I'm at a ball game or something. First class, how may I serve you, sir? I mean, it's just so amazing. And, and it also kind of served my whole little props, pride of life kind of thing because I was flying with two other pastors. And apparently they didn't book it the day that I got that fare. So I'm sitting down in my chair that's about this wide, leather, glass, and they walk on. And I'll tell you the truth, every time I fly now, I check, can I get first class? Because once you get the pleasure, you just got to have more. I mean, think about this, y'all. We live in a world with so much pleasure, it is absolutely mind-boggling. I, I don't know if, think about this, we have gourmet food, not just food. We, we should think about a food truck that said, it'll sustain you. Anybody going there? You won't die. No. We're like, best barbecue in the South. That's the one we got the best tasting, you know, the gourmet flavors. I mean, we want all of this stuff. And then we've already, earlier in the series, talked to some of you don't want all the gourmet. You just want the buffet so that you can be eating for tomorrow. You know, you got to make sure we're going to be good for the time to come. Heard we can pray and fasting's coming, honey. Let's go to a buffet on Saturday. Let's, let's stock up. It's going to be, just think about this. Coca-Cola, you can go down to Atlanta to the Coca-Cola Museum, and you can taste over 100 different flavors. Let's talk about trying to please ourselves. Oh, my gosh. Like, when they came up with soda with sugar in it, wasn't that enough? Like, I mean, come on. You can, you can go down to the fountain. They, my, my grandfather told me this story because I'm truly not this old. <laughs> but you can go down and for a nickel, you can get a soda. And, and, and that, that doesn't even work for us anymore. N now we, we need the diet version and the lemon diet version and the what? Oh, it's great. Over 100, you could. But guess what? That's not even it. Coca-Cola for our pleasure, has invented just shy, I did my research this week, just shy of 4,000 flavors. One drink company, worldwide, over 4,000 flavors to please us because we can never get enough. As of last month, Netflix has 5,595 titles you can choose from because you're sitting at home and saying, what you want to watch tonight? Nothing, honey. I'm bored. There's nothing good on. Oh, we better get 5,596 for this one person who needs to be pleased. And, and those are titles. Some of those are like series that go on for months on end. I mean, think about all of that we can do to just kind of please ourselves, all of these things. And, and vacations. My wife and I had the pleasure. Now we're ruined, ruined, ruined. We had the pleasure of taking an all-inclusive vacation last year. Never taken one. I made it all the way to 46 before I got ruined. And, and, and you, you don't have to do anything. Everything is done for you. Whatever you want. Any type of food. They've got multiple restaurants for whatever you need for your pleasure at the moment. And you just step out of your room and a little golf cart will escort you to any restaurant where someone will give you anything you need. And if y'all, you don't even have to look at the prices because there are none. That's the best part of it. You want a steak? Yeah, I want a steak. You know, I'm a little hungry. Can I have a second steak, please? I mean, you'd never do that in a restaurant where you're paying for it. Pleasure. We love this. And if, and if you don't even want to put your flip-flops on and step out the door and get on the golf cart to go where someone treats you like a king, you can just sit in your room. I would like a steak, please. And they're going to bring it to you. 
I mean, we don't even have to grow food anymore. We figured out how to be so comfortable. I'm going to sit on my lazy boy while somebody else grows food. I'll just go to the store and get it later. We don't even have to do that. Have you noticed every single store has the front spaces reserved for it? Come and pick up the stuff that we shopped for you because it was too much of an inconvenience on your pleasure to get out of your car and come in here and pick out anything you wanted that someone else already grew for you. No, 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 that's a little too much. One question, though, for you. Why do they get the front spaces? They're not even getting out of the car. Seriously? I mean, they should take a bat. Anyway, my wife has figured out that's not even good enough. She's found this service. Not only do you not have to grow it, not only do you not have to shop it, you don't have to pick it up. They will shop. They will bring it to your house. You don't even have to go outside and get it. They will carry it in. They will set it in your kitchen. I'm waiting next for the person who comes and puts it in the fridge for you. That one, that one's not there yet. We can do anything. I mean, let's talk about pleasure. So look, obvious. Here's the question. If we live in such a pleasure-centered world, like just everything trying to make us more and more comfortable, everything getting softer every day, then how? How do we keep from letting these pleasures rule us? Thanks for asking. Great question. Our, our passage today, everybody, is in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. But don't worry, if you don't, it's going to be right here on the screens. And uh, if you're wondering where in the world is Ecclesiastes, what did he say? Ecle- what? Uh, Ecclesiastes, a little book just shortly after Psalms in the Old Testament. Psalms is big, so you'll probably be able to find that in it shortly after that. So uh, just to give you a little context as you're flipping there, and we're getting ready to read this. This was written by King Solomon. Now, King Solomon... I personally would rank him in the top few people of all the world to ever have it all. You know, I mean, we've got some really rich and wealthy people today, and so I don't know what number we can truly give him. But thousands of years ago, long before the technology and the way our world works, he had it all. He had all the money he could possibly want and then some. He had all the servants he could want and then some. He was the, the, the king of the greatest nation at the time. This was the height of God's people of Israel. And I mean, just think of it. I am king of God's people. I mean, just to be able to say that, that's good. Nobody else has been able to say that. That's amazing. And he, he built the greatest church. Like, like we all drive up to Grace Life. I still drive up to Grace Life and go, wow, God, you've been good to us. And this is nothing compared to what Solomon built. You know, it, it was just amazing. He had everything. And as he got near the end of his life, he started to measure, like, what, what has this really been worth? And so he wrote this book, Ecclesiastes, where he actually starts out and calls himself the preacher, saying, look, I I want you to get something from me here. I I want you to to, to learn a little bit from from my experience. And he says, so I, the preacher, and I'm going to share with you. And I want to share with you this sentence that he says at the beginning of chapter 2. He says, look, I I said in my heart, come now, I'm going to test you with pleasure. I'm going to test you with pleasure. I I want you to enjoy yourself. I've got access to every pleasure to any degree, and I'm going to test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And you know what he says? But behold, this also is vanity. Sometimes when we read that, depending on your translation, if yours is is the one that says vanity, we don't really relate to that very well because we think vanity plates on a car, you know, the guy that's got the Corvette says, dude, number one. You know, he's just arrogant. It's got a different meaning from that. What it really means is worthless. But the actual literal translation of the Hebrew, if we could get back to it, is just vapor. Just It's like a, a smoke coming from a candle. 
And so the, the, the word worthless isn't the right translation, but what it really means is it's worthless to try and catch a vapor. If you've ever go home and blow out a candle and try to catch that smoke in your hand, it's worthless to chase after this. And really, that should be our main text, and just to stop at that point, but I want to help him hit his point home to us, because he gives us a list when he says, look, I, I tried it. I've been there. I've done that. Here, here's what he says. He says, I said of laughter, it is mad and of pleasure. What use is it? Because I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, uh, but my heart still guiding me with wisdom. That's his little, uh, I didn't get drunk. Isn't that funny how he throws that in there? And, and how to lay hold on folly. Till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Look, I tried everything to see what would make this life pleasurable, the few days that we have. And he goes on to explain, look, I made great works. He's right. He built the greatest church. God showed up in the cloud so much that the people couldn't even preach. And say, I mean, just amazing. Yes, you did a great job there, Solomon. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. Dude, I came up with an irrigation system like I'm the man. I mean, he's telling us all this stuff. He says, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. It means he didn't have to lift a finger. Everything was done for him. I, I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. You want filet mignon tonight? We can have it, honey. I got it. It's out there. We got anything you want. Pork chops, we got that too. Matter of fact, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem, I had everything. And I even gathered for myself silver and gold and, and the treasure of kings and provinces. Well, when a king says, man, I had the treasure of kings, multiple. Wow. I got singers, both men and women. That means he's got entertainment. He can sit down at night and say, sing me a song. Do a play for me. Do something for me. It's like modern day Netflix. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, like old time Netflix. And many concubines. So he could Netflix and chill. Just... I'm just reading the Bible. <laughs> Y'all don't blame me. And catch his summary. After all of that, every type of pleasure, every type of stuff, every type of anything, he says, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Wait a minute. If you've been here for the series, this whole series is about three things, right? What did you just say? So I became great and surpassed all who were before me, pride of life. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from them. Desires of the, the, the eyes. Whatever I saw and I wanted, I had it. I had the money to get it. I had the ability to get it. I wanted a new shirt, got it. I wanted a purple shirt. They didn't have purple. They made purple for me. Whatever I wanted, I had it. And I kept my heart from no pleasure. I had it all. Any of these three, I had all three. Everything the world has to offer, I had all of it to the greatest degree of any human could ever had. Why? For my heart found pleasure in my toil, and this was my reward. We do the same thing. We say, God, you know what? I deserve it. It's been a hard week. You gave me a miserable boss. I hate my job. Life isn't going well. The least I can do is go get a new shirt. The least I can do is that new pair of, uh, of shoes. The least I can do is, is two quarts of ice cream. The least I can, whatever. We, we just feel like, man, I've worked so hard. I deserve it. And it's exactly what Solomon said. Is it was my reward. It was my reward to go out and get as much pleasure as I could have because I need it. 
I deserve it. I've worked hard. And he says, then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I expended in doing it. And behold, all was worthless. It was worthless. It was a striving after the wind, chasing a vapor because there was nothing to be gained under the sun. And here's what the real problem is for us. This is his story. I don't know if you can grasp where he is. Probably not because I haven't given you enough to really grab on to his emotional state probably that I, I think he was in. If you did a lot of research on who he was and where he was at this point in life and for him to sit down and and to start this letter to humanity. And, and he didn't start it out with, I the king would like to tell you. No, no, no. He started, I the preacher. I, I want to I help you. And if you could just imagine him just kind of leaning in a little bit and going, I've been there. I've done that. Please. Please listen. Please learn from me. And... You know, that's, that's the issue right there, isn't it? Because he's been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But every one of us, we want to get the T-shirt for ourselves. It, it, there's this saying that a wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from another's mistakes. The truth is, some of us aren't wise. I struggle to be wise. Wiser? Psh, I wish. Seriously? I mean, come on. Anybody in here really going to say they're that person? Oh, well, thank you, Mother, for telling me not to do that. I will definitely obey. I will be wiser by learning from your mistakes. Oh, thank you, Father, that you said I should study algebra because you didn't, and it didn't go well. Thank you. I will learn from your mistakes. Oh, thank you, my coach, who says I should not do it that way. I will definitely do it the way you said. Who is that person? Beaver Cleaver? I don't know. You know what? We're the people who go, yeah, thanks for your advice. I'll get it. I'll do it differently. Yeah, it may not have worked for you. It's going to work for me because I am that way. We just, we've got to have our own T-shirt. We've got to give this thing a try. And someone looks at you and says, look, I tried every kind of pleasure. I tried, tried the stuff God allows. I tried the stuff God doesn't allow. I tried every uh, to a max. Would you please listen to me? And we go, eh, thanks for that story, but I need my own T-shirt. And what it really comes down to, the ultimate issue is that there's something we need right here that we try to fill with stuff out there. You see the physical, sensual pleasure? We try to take on to ourselves when, when things aren't going right with the world, when things are somehow not settled right here, when things are off in a relationship, things are off in our soul, things are off in our circumstances, and, and something's just, when we get the two quarts of ice cream and we close the blinds and we eat every bite of it. Comfort food, right? You know, the, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be our comforter. But I'll admit to you, I'm, I'm, I'm no better at you than anyone in this room, and I'm sure some of you are actually better than me. When we're having a really bad day, we're supposed to sit down and say, God, help me. Just help me. Help me re-alter my thinking right now. But, you know, you start out Monday morning, you're like, I'm feeling good. I got this. I'm going, I'm going to get a salad at lunch, glass of water. I'm going to splurge and throw in a lemon. That's what I'm going to do. But then you get to work. Things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. Something gets dumped on you. A little bit of bad news. Everything going wrong. Everything is upended. And you get to lunch and you look and go, cheeseburger. <laughs> when what we really needed to do was get something to go and go somewhere and sit and go, God, help me before I go back to work. 
And we're all probably in that boat together. We like comfort food. Some of you go, I don't do comfort food. I go to the gym five days a week. I eat tofu. I bet you're a comfort shopper. You're that person, you and Visa and a new pair of shoes. Boy, you, you suddenly feel good about that bad week work. You work at week, whatever that, you know what I'm saying? We've got whatever, we go from comfort food, we go comfort shopping. We said that this included sensual pleasure. I've been hinting around, what about sex? Look, sex is God's idea. And God intended for sex to build intimacy, not medicate our pains of the world, right? What about any other thing that we come up with, any other vice, whatever substance or activity or habit that we, we do to try and somehow bring pleasure because we're, we're hurting, and it's where we just try to get something from the world to bring something in to make the pain feel less. And I'm here today to tell you there's an absolutely better way. There's a better way. And here's, here's what it is. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. What I'm about to do is not normally what I do. Normally I give you a nice little point at this point in the message. And, and if you go apply this point to your life, you're going to get it. But at this point I said, God, God help me communicate the number one thing that we need right now. Because the number one thing we need right now is to understand God's goodness. As we are, are being chased by counterfeits from the world, what we need to do is chase after God. And, and that's really hard to do sometimes because, you know, I'll be honest. If somebody says, you want to go have a three-hour prayer meeting at midnight? No, I'd like to sleep. Sleep is comfortable. Sleep is nice. I'd like to sleep. You know, you go be spiritual. And, and, and so we all struggle sometimes with that. And so what I've got for you, though, is a, a passage of Scripture. I just want to read it. We're not really going to talk about all that's in there, but, but I think it's going to help us understand the goodness of our God. This is back at the beginning, by the way. It says, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, so you can see the sunrise. Come on, east coast people. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Pleasant to the sight. And good for food. I mean, God, why? Why beautiful trees? Why trees with tasty fruit? Why even give us taste buds? You could have, you could have made them all brown trees with brown leaves with tofu. <laughs> and, and with no taste buds... It would have been good. We could have sustained ourselves for many years on end. And, and, but you made the trees beautiful. And you made the, the food a variety. Many different kinds of trees. And, and, and you made it good and, and taste good. And you gave us taste. But what? God, you're good. Now, some of us know a little bit of this story. And we remember something that's about to come. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God took the man, he put him in the garden, this beautiful garden God made just for him, by the way. And he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but 
And I don't know about you, I grew up in church, and I grew up going to Sunday school and hearing the stories, and, and I don't remember that sentence going like that. You may eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You see, the better way to not be ruled by all the things that the world has to offer is this fun word. I'm going to use the word boundaries. Some of you are going to say, oh, pastor. Really means rules. Just rules. God's all about rules. I mean, come on, right? Most of us, if you've ever tried to talk a friend into going to church or to tell them you're a Christian and you like God, they're like, oh, you know, he's just all about rules and rules and you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't have any fun in life. I mean, back when I was a kid, I go to Sunday school, right? And they teach you one of the first things you ever learn in life is the Ten Commandments. Like, like, I don't know the word grace. I've never heard the word grace. I don't understand much about sin and how amazing it is that I've been forgiven and I get to go to heaven. But I know things that start with, thou shalt not. <laughs> Glad you're here today. Let me tell you what, you shalt not. No. Don't think about it. God says, no. And then the next week when you come back, they tell you the story about the, the sweet little man walking along beside a cart. And the cart had the presence of God. And the sweet little man who wanted to do something good for God reached out and made sure that the box didn't fall off and God struck him dead. And now today as we worship everyone, we hope you get closer to God. I'm not getting close to God. I hope he's on stage and I'm sitting on the back row because I don't want to touch him. Get like shot. Like, no, I don't want to be killed just because I tried to touch God. Stay away from God and don't. Thou shalt not. And that is the idea that so many of us have of God. And we read this. Every tree but one. And what we see is, you can't have anything. Look, God made a wonderful world. Beautiful trees. God made everything for us. You want beauty? God created it. You want food? Look at the variety that God gave us. We came up with tofu, by the way. God came up with filet mignon. You want some sort of sensual pleasure? And of course, that's supposed to be the biggest no-no of all, right? Well, actually, a couple of sentences later, God says he shouldn't be alone. Let me make a woman to go with them, and they're naked in the garden. He says, hey, be fruitful, multiply, go. God's got a plan. See, when we recognize God designed us, and he says, you can have every tree that I made for you, but stay away from the one that will destroy you. Just stay away from the one thing that will destroy you. You want sex? Have all that you want with a spouse, grow intimacy. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be wonderful. It was my idea. I'm the one that made it pleasurable. Stay away from the way it will destroy you. You want money? Bless your family. Bless other people. Sow into the kingdom. Do good works with it. But stay away from letting it destroy you. You want food? Good. Don't let it rule you. We get the idea that God is just big and angry and says no to everything. And we miss the point that he said you can have everything. I'm a God who creates a good world for you. Now, true, the world has become corrupt. And some of those things that are out there that, that offer to us can, can draw us in. We look at these boundaries and 
then today the reason that, that we, if you want to know why did I go in reverse order of this series, it was because of the answer for each one. So let's go back. Part one, we talked about the pride of life. The answer was humility. And then we talked in part two about the desires for stuff, the desires of our eyes. And we said the answer is contentment that comes from gratitude. And so when we were designing the series and we said, so what is the answer to pleasure? I mean, because God created a world full of pleasure. We've corrupted some of that pleasure. Don't, don't misunderstand me, but, but God created a world that we can enjoy. And he created us to enjoy his creation. What is the answer to keeping pleasure in its right place when pleasure is God-given, although also used as a temptation by the enemy to take us away? How do we keep that tension? How do we, how do we stay on the God-given side? And the answer is fasting. Fasting. Jesus said, my disciples will fast. I know some of you think Christians don't fast anymore. And I just said fast. You're like, what are, is this Muslim or Catholic? I'm very confused now. What kind of church did we come to today? But fasting, we've got a sentence we use here. God gave me this sentence years ago when I started trying to explain what fasting is for. And so we're going to put it on the screen for you just to explain. Here, here's what fasting is all about. See, fasting is when we set aside something in the natural realm, typically food, might be social media, might be TV, might be whatever other distraction. But here's what it's all about. It is to remind us that our physical world, this isn't home. If you've ever stayed in a mediocre hotel or worse, and you couldn't wait to get back home. That's what longs inside of us for heaven. We, we just know we're made for something better than this broken place. Fasting reminds us this world is not our home. Fasting reminds us that our physical desires, all that stuff we've been talking about, they're not most important. They're not. We think they are because we spend every day trying to meet them. And also that this, our physical body, is not our God. We do not have to serve it every time it whines and growls. We do not have to please our taste buds every moment. And so fasting is just the most practical way that we see in Scripture to help us realign our souls and to keep the, the pleasures many of which are intended by God, but have some become corrupt, and then even the good ones can dominate us. And fasting allows us to set them aside and refocus ourselves. If we look in Scripture, there are really three reasons to fast. One of them I just told you is to realign. Another one is to get closer to God. We set aside the distractions. We spend more time in prayer. We have a prayer meeting every morning. We'll be here this week, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. every morning. really want to encourage you to come out and be a part of it. I know some people say, well, I can't come because i got to leave early for it. Fine, leave early. You don't have to be here the whole time. Some say, well, I can't get there on time. Then come late. Leave early, come late, whatever you need to do. Here's the thing. If you've never tried it, I dare you to try it. I dare you to, to, to get up early and to come into a place where hundreds of God's people gather together to say how much we need him. So I'm going to tell you, if you've ever tried it, you keep coming back. And those of you who have never tried it, well, man, just come on. This week, tomorrow morning, 6.30. And only tomorrow night, 7 p.m., one time, all week long, only one, we have a huge worship night. I mean, 
It's like the roof comes off of this place. It's incredible. We bring all three services together, so hey, don't don't lollygag if you want to see. You know what I'm saying? Realign, seek more of God, and then the last one is a move of God. You know, there are just repeated examples in Scripture where the people of God fasted because they needed a miracle. They needed their natural circumstances to change course. They needed God to show up. And some of you, you, you need a job that doesn't appear to be coming. Some of you, you need a physical healing that the doctors don't have an answer for. Some of you, you need a spouse to change their heart. Some of you, I mean, we're all in a different place. And many of us, we need that move of God right now. And so when you came in, on your seat was one of these cards. If you've been around Grace Life for a while, you've, you've seen these because we do this twice a year. We do it every January and every August because it's a good time for realignment. And what I want to ask you to do right now, we're going to take a moment. You know, sometimes it's like sing songs, hear the guy, get out. And we're just going to pause for a minute. I'm going to ask you just, just to pause with us. If you had just a, a few minutes with God, matter of fact, if you had a few seconds with God, and he said, what can I do for you? That's what I want you to write here. Because we're going to pray. Every time we come together, we're going to pray multiple times. People will be praying with you and for you all week long for the number one thing you need God to do in your life. I'm going to be honest, I think there are too many lines on this. I think some of you think that, like, I'm going to tell God everything, including the color of the flowers, I want changed. And that's okay. We'll pray for as many of the things that are on your heart. But what if, what if you just had that one? Write this down. Let's take a moment and let's tell God what we need Him to do in our lives. We'll be praying with you this week. Some of you may still be writing, and that's okay. You can continue as you need to. I'm just going to go ahead and pray for us that God will come, that he'll meet every one of us, and that he will help us enjoy the world he's given us to the max. To the max. See, boundaries are God saying no for us to the things that would destroy us. Fasting is us saying no things that consume us. I'm going to pray that that is the work that God does in our lives this week. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much for your goodness to us. God, you have created a marvelous world full of so much pleasure and so much beauty. It's our heart to enjoy creation as you meant it, to get the greatest pleasure and the greatest joy out of the life that you created for us without being ruled by the corruption that has become a part of the world we know as home for now. So God, I pray you'll take this week and you'll draw every one of us closer to you. You will help us set aside whatever it is that is ruling our lives and we will pursue you. We pray for your grace as we fast and seek you this week. As we close, I want to take a moment and talk to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. The truth is there is no greater gift than the fact that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. You see, God is perfectly holy and we are not. And those things that separate us is what we call sin. But God, because he's so good, knew there's no way we'll ever be able to live a perfect life. So because of his love for you and me, sent his son Jesus to die and his death paid for our sins and the death we deserve and then the beauty is that he didn't stay dead he rose again and 
because he rose, we too will rise and have eternal life with our Father in heaven. But that is a gift that each one of us has to reach out and take. Some of us assume it's an automatic, but Scripture tells us that at some point in history, we each need to say, thank you, God. I received that gift. Different words work, but I like these words. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Now I want to live for you. If you've never said that to him and you want the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness, salvation, and right where you are right now, I'm not going to embarrass you, but just right where you are, right where you're seated, pray something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I do thank you that you died for me. And now I do want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. And my simple prayer today is that you give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people, everyone. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.